the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But what is most interesting here is that he wants to spend time with her in order, he says, to hear her voice. That is to say, he wants to have a conversation with her. Now, this may not appear to be a profound truth, but it really is. It really is profound. When a man and a woman are right for each other, they enjoy talking to each other. Take note of that. They enjoy talking to each other. And what do they talk about? Everything. Albert Einstein is more noted for his theory of relativity than his insight into love and courtship. But there seems to be a bit of a connection between these two fields because he's often quoted as saying, when you're courting a nice girl, an hour seems like a second. When you sit on a red-hot cinder, a second seems like an hour. That's relativity. Oh my, time can really fly when you're having a good conversation, especially with the one you love. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying the biblical marriage. And as we near the conclusion of the series, we want to make sure you don't miss one of the most important aspects of marriage, which is making sure that you and your potential spouse are going to have a healthy and lifelong marriage. That begins long before you tie the knot with getting to know each other. And if you are right for each other, the more you know, the more you'll enjoy learning about each other. You may actually find yourselves talking through the night like in the old movies. Chapter 2 of Song of Solomon tells of Shulamite's anticipation as she awaits a visit from her fiancé. Here's Pastor Steve to describe the scene, and then we'll go on to see how they cultivate their relationship. Now it is shifted, the scene has, to a country setting where Shulamite's home was located. And we hear her thinking back to a time prior to their marriage when she and Solomon were already in love with each other, but were not yet husband and wife. She begins this reflection in verse 8 by telling us about a visit that Solomon paid to her home in northern Israel. Now remember, as I said, Solomon is king of Israel, so he lives in the capital city, which is Jerusalem, and that is located in central Israel. Shulamite, though, lives way up north in the Galilee area, probably in a, in a place that is known today as the country of Lebanon. It is that far north. Back then, it would be known as Galilee, the northern Galilee. And so they, because of their location, they didn't get to see each other on a regular basis, but the time has come for him to visit her, and she tells us about this visit beginning in verse 8. She says, listen, my beloved... Behold, he's coming, climbing on the mountains, leaping on the hills. Now, these words reflect the thrill and the excitement of Shulamite as she anticipates Solomon coming to visit her. In her mind, she hears him approaching, climbing, leaping over the mountains and hills in northern Galilee just to get to her. She is so eager for his arrival. 
And she knows that he's just as eager to see her again. So eager, in fact, that she pictures him running like a fast animal to get to her. She says in verse 9, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he's standing behind our wall. He's looking through the windows. He's peering through the lattice. She compares Solomon to a young male deer, swift and graceful, moving quickly with boundless energy, hardly touching the ground as he races towards her. And when he finally arrives at her home, he is so eager to catch a glimpse of his future bride that he stands outside the wall of her home and looks through the windows, hoping to see a glimpse of the love of his life. Now, I'm not sure that the way this verse reads in our English Bibles really captures the the picture that the Song of Solomon intends to convey to us. This is a precious picture of a man who is absolutely smitten with affection for this woman. Here's how Hebrew Christian scholar Arnold Fruchtenbaum explains the scene. He writes this, the word that's translated looking means to look by fixation for reflection and meditation. The word peers as in peering through the lattice means to peep or to twinkle. It's a reference to the quick darting and glances of the eye. It's a reference to the gleam of the eye. So while Solomon is trying to see his love through the window, he looks one time through this window and then through another in order that he might see her. Once having seen her, he feasts his eyes on her and fixes them on her to reflect and to meditate over her. Now I want to stop here and consider an important principle that's related to those who are planning to get married. Couples who are seriously thinking about marriage or who are already engaged ought to have the same kind of eagerness that Solomon and Shulamite had about seeing each other and being in the company of one another. You should be so enamored, so smitten with each other that you just can't wait to spend time with each other. This is one of the indications that you are right for one another, that God is bringing you together. There ought to be no one else in this world that you would rather spend time with than the person you are planning to marry. But listen, if that's not the way it is, if there's no enthusiasm for being with that person, if you find yourself bored with them, then don't marry that person. They're not the right one for you. They may be the right one for somebody else, but not for you. See, when it's the right person for you to marry, you will have the same kinds of feelings that Shulamite and Solomon had for each other. They long to be in the company of one another. And you know, this is a really good reminder for those of us who have been married for a while to make sure that we don't take our spouse for granted so that we we are no longer excited about being with them. You should never be bored with your spouse, never falling into the rut where you're just not thrilled having the opportunity to be together. Good marriages consist of a husband and wife who genuinely enjoy each other's company. So if you just sort of tolerate one another, take each other's presence for granted, where your relationship has just become dull and routine, then work at bringing the thrill back. And how do you do that? The same way that Solomon and Shulamite worked at cultivating their relationship by getting to know one another better. Notice verses 10 through 13. My beloved responded and said to me, 
Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vines in blossom have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. Now, in reflecting back on this particular visit, of Solomon, Shulamite says that after arriving at her home, he invited her, Solomon invited her to take a, a walk with him in the countryside. It was a beautiful time for them to be taking this countryside stroll because it was springtime, she tells us. No doubt Solomon was being romantic as he described in some detail some of the, the beauties associated with springtime in northern Israel. It is, it is normally a gorgeous place to be. It is especially beautiful during the springtime. He says that the winter rains are over. The flowers have appeared in the land. The time has arrived to prune the vines. The voice of the doves can now be heard. The figs are ripening and the blossoming vines are giving off their sweet fragrance. And with all of of this beauty taking place around them, he invites her, notice at the end of verse 13, to just come along. In other words, come along with me for a pleasant walk in the countryside. And what will they do as they walk among the beauty of nature? Verse 14 says, oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see Your form. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your form is lovely. Solomon very sweetly refers to Shulamite as his dove. He says she lives in the clefts of the rock, probably indicating that her home is in the mountains and somewhat hidden and probably not very accessible. But now he urges her to come come out of, of your little hideaway in the mountains and join me for a stroll in the countryside. And why is he so eager to take this walk with her? Well, verse 14 tells us why. He says he wants to see her form and hear her voice. In other words, he wants to see her beauty and hear her speak. Now, from previous passages in the song, and we we studied the Song of Solomon a few years ago, but from previous passages in the book, we know that Solomon is just enthralled with Shulamite's physical beauty. But what is most interesting here is that he wants to spend time with her in order, he says, to hear her voice. That is to say, he wants to have a conversation with her. Now, this may not appear to be a profound truth, but it really is. It it really is profound. When a man and a woman are right for each other, they enjoy talking to each other. Take note of that. They enjoy talking to each other. And what do they talk about? Everything. Everything. Because those who are really in love with each other delight in getting to know the other person. You see, that's the thrill of spending time with your future spouse. You use that time to talk and find out everything you can about the other person. Craig Glickman, in his book, A Song for Lovers, speaks of the type of communication that ought to take place between those who are in love. He writes, and I quote, One good indication of real love is the desire to communicate, a wish to discover all about this person whom you love so much. 
No detail seems too trivial to be related. No mood or feeling of one is unimportant to the other. And you care about the details and the feelings because you care so much about the person. That which would be insignificant or boring to even a good friend is eagerly received with genuine interest by the one who loves you. The mere voice of the one loved is enchantingly special just in itself. One could read from the telephone book and the other would raptly listen simply for the sound of the voice. Now folks, that is a very significant truth about relationships between a man and a woman who are contemplating marriage. Every healthy relationship and every healthy marriage is built upon good communication. In other words, healthy marriages consist of husbands who talk and listen to their wives and wives who talk and listen to what their husbands have to say. And what do they talk about? A more appropriate question is, what don't they talk about? You see, when you're dating someone with the thought that this might be my future spouse, you need to feel free to discuss anything and everything. You want to find out as much as you can about this person. Now, let me give you some some thoughts on this, because this is critical. Some have been very foolish and even naive on this point. Certainly... The most important thing is you want to find out about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Do they have one or are they simply making a profession of faith to marry you? If they do have a relationship with Christ, then what kind of a relationship is it? Is it solid? Is it growing? Is it maturing? Is it healthy? Or is it unstable? Constantly up and down because they're not dealing with sin in their lives. Listen, don't be naive about this area of life. You need to talk very freely to this person about Christ and what he means to you and what he means to them. If the person you're dating doesn't have the same kind of love and commitment to Jesus Christ as you do, then do not continue in that relationship. Don't think, well, it's gone so far, I can't get out of it now. You must get out of it. Otherwise, you will. You are setting yourself up for a horrible marriage. Sadly, There are many Christians, especially Christian women, who thought that they were marrying a Christian man because why? The guy said he was, and he went to church once in a while, only to find out after they were married, he doesn't care about Christ. He doesn't care about the things that matter to you. He said what you wanted him to say, and now you're stuck with him. Don't do that. Don't do that. He just professed to know Jesus, came to church once in a while, looked interested in order to marry you. And so in your conversation, discuss with your potential spouse their values. Are they biblical values or are they the values of the world? Now, how can you tell if the person has biblical values? Well, find out what's most important to them. What really matters in their life? Are the things that are important to them the same things that that scripture emphasizes? By that I mean, first of all, obedience and commitment and submission to God's word. Listen, you know how you can find out where a person is at? Are they in submission to the authority of scripture? Are they in submission to the authority of scripture? And so when scripture says something, they don't debate it. Their heart's response is yes. Yes, that's what the Lord said. I'm one of his followers. 
But if they say things like, I don't agree with Paul there, I don't think that this is right. No, I see it differently. And you know you're going to have trouble. You know they're going to have trouble. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And his voice is through the word of God. So you want to find out, do they care about obedience to the word of God on everything? What about their commitment to a good local church? They even know what a good local church is. What about their commitment? Do they care about that? That's an important matter in a Christian's life. How about honoring the Lord with their finances? You can tell a lot about how a person views money. I have a friend who said many years ago to me, he said, Steve, when I was converted, my checkbook was converted too. Find out if their checkbook's converted. Find out what they do with their money. Find out how they view their money. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be too, Jesus said. How about sharing their faith with others? Do they confess Christ publicly? Do people know that they're a Christian? Do they witness? They don't have to be expert evangelists, but do they attempt to share their faith? If not, that's a red light for you. Be careful. How about cultivating godly attitudes? Do they work at that? Do they care about not just outward stuff? That can be legalism of externals. Do they care about inward attitudes that nobody else sees, but they see? Do they care about that? Do they confess their sin? Do they repent of their sin? If you're in a relationship where somebody is oblivious to their sin, that is not good. That's a warning to you because they're going to be oblivious to you and their sin when they get married. You want to marry someone who knows that they are a sinner and is constantly dealing with their sin, repenting and confessing and humbly admitting they need God's grace everywhere. Listen, find out everything you can about this person, how they treat their parents, what they think about about having children, about children, what they plan to do with their lives in terms of a career. What's their work ethic? Are they diligent or are they lazy? Because that's not changing when they get married to you. Listen, people are on their best behavior when they're engaged. It's not getting any better. So find out, are they diligent? Are they lazy? Are they overly sensitive? Are they easily offended? And how do they speak to others? Do they, they speak edifying words to others, mature words, or... Do they just speak immature put-downs? That's a mark of, of someone who's really immature, is putting people down. And I think what's very critical is find out what they believe about the character of God, especially about God's sovereignty. Why do I say that? Because if you marry this person, you're going to go through difficulties in life. You're going to have a, a crisis here and a crisis there. That's just the way life is. You want to be married to someone who has confidence in the Lord that he's still on the throne. You want to be married to somebody who doesn't panic, somebody who understands this is God's will, we will deal with this. What do they view about God? Is he a big God? Is he sovereign? Or is he a little God who can't handle the problems of life? Now, folks, these are just some of the the kinds of things that every couple ought to be discussing as they spend time together. And while we're not told in the Song of Solomon what Solomon and Shulamite, or at least all that they talked about that day as they took their walk in the country, we do know that their conversation revealed that they indeed had a problem that they needed to work on because Shulamite goes on to tell us a second thing that she and Solomon worked on before getting married. The first thing is they worked on just getting to know one another. The second thing is that they worked on resolving a problem that threatened their relationship. In getting to know one another, this problem came to the surface and they're committed to addressing it. 
Verse 15. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards, while our vineyards are in blossom. Now, as Shulamite and Solomon are taking their pleasant walk in the country, they notice something. They notice that foxes are destroying the vineyards in the surrounding area. Apparently, the community where Shulamite grew up in northern Israel had many gardens and many vineyards, and it was very common for foxes then to to dig up the roots of the vines and destroy those vineyards. But in observing the little foxes destroying the vineyards, a comparison is now made between their relationship and the vineyards that are in blossom. They understand that just as the little foxes destroy vineyards, so, note this, little problems can and will destroy their relationship unless they're dealt with. Now, it's difficult to know exactly who's doing the talking here in verse 15. Is it Shulamite? Is it Solomon? And commentators actually disagree on which one is speaking, but you know what? It's really not important. It's not important to know who's speaking because they both recognize that there is a little problem that's threatening their relationship, and it must be taken care of now or else it will develop into a full-blown problem that could eventually destroy their marriage. Now, folks, this is a critical, critical principle for every couple to understand, regardless of whether you're in a dating relationship, you're engaged, or you've been married for many years. As I said many times, problems in a relationship never go away by themselves. They have to be dealt with. They have to be addressed and dealt with. They're not going to vanish. Regardless of how small the problem is, it must be honestly faced and addressed or else it's going to grow. And I can guarantee you this, it's going to grow up into something much bigger. It's important to understand because there are some couples who consistently neglect to address issues in their relationship because they're just uncomfortable talking about them, and so they never discuss them. And inevitably, the small problem escalates until it's a problem of of a mountain when it really didn't need to be. Listen, Scripture makes it clear that every problem can, can be, note this, resolved. There is absolutely no issue that can't be resolved biblically. Now, that does not mean that you're going to agree with your spouse on every issue, but what it does mean is there should be no conflict between you that hinders your relationship. So biblically, how do we resolve conflicts? Now, I've covered this before, but I'm going to cover it again. And the reason being is because you can't hear this enough. I know that there are people here who've listened to this whole series who are not getting this. I know that because I've talked to them. And I want to say, have you not been here? Have you not heard these things? So you can't hear this enough. I know that. So how do you resolve conflicts, problems? Well, the first thing you do is you honestly face the problem. And putting it off is not a good idea. I read a story about a woman who had been noticing some bees in her house, but didn't do anything about it. Well, the bees were nesting in her attic. And the hidden nest grew and grew, and the bees got more numerous. Eventually, the nest filled the attic, and the weight of all that honey collapsed her ceilings. She wasn't hurt, but the house was a wreck. If you're engaged and you're having a problem at this early stage in your relationship, it's wise to deal with it now because it's not likely to get better on its own. Thanks for tuning in. 
You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to visit Lakeside some Sunday, the address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Call 727-441-1714 for directions and service times. Or go online to lakesidechapel.com. Our present study series is about the biblical marriage. You can find all of our previous broadcasts on the Message Archive page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. And there's a giving page if you'd like to help with the costs of airtime and production. Thank you for helping us keep these Bible studies on the air. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'd also like to mention an offer for our blind listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, you can get a free audio Bible for your player by calling 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. That's 800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. I'm Jerry Peterson. Confrontation is uncomfortable. That's probably because we usually have either done it wrong or seen it done wrong. But healthy honesty is at the core of a healthy marriage. And it's best to get things out in the open and deal with them with loving honesty before we say, I do. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will share how important it is to get to know each other before the wedding. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.